Greetings, listeners. Welcome to Mercury, a broadcast of hope. Today is day 50 of our broadcast. I'm Agnes Drew, and here with me today is Dr. Rosalind Clark, tenured professor of marine science. Yesterday, we started a What is Science discussion. Yesterday, we started a What is Science discussion. Science! Again? Knock it off, Max! Agnes, can you summarize what we went over yesterday? Okay. Yesterday, you were explaining the scientific process. The first step was observation. We observed that my cat had fleas. Back up. Yes, observation is the first step. What we observed, though, was that your cat was scratching. We were using the scientific process to determine if fleas were the cause. That was the hypothesis based on our observation. Right. Hypothesis. And what was our experiment to test the hypothesis? You never said we were going to have to experiment on the cat. I am against animal cruelty in the name of science. Yesterday, all we were going to do was take it to the vet to treat it for fleas. Agnes, that was the experiment. In order to test our hypothesis, we had to treat the cat for fleas. That was the experiment? Yes. And what were the results? The cat stopped scratching. But that didn't prove we were right. It proved one piece of evidence for us. That's right. It gave us one piece of evidence in support of our hypothesis. We can't definitively say that fleas were the cause of the scratching because there were a lot of variables at play. What I mean is, there are a lot of things that could change in our experiments that may or may not contribute to the results. What do you mean? Do you remember that last thing we went over, the control group? Yes, another cat that didn't get the actual flea treatment. Great. Next, we would have to repeat the experiment. Like reinfect it with fleas and treat it again? Which is starting to toe the line on cruelty. I understand your concern. If we were trying to produce publishable results, we would actually want a whole lot of cats in the same or similar environments to be displaying the same scratching behaviors that we could test. We would also have to not treat some of the cats. The control group. Right. In order to determine that it was, in fact, the flea treatment that made the difference with the scratching, some of the cats have to be brought into the vet's office and given the same treatment but lacking the active compound. That way, we know that it was the termination of the fleas that caused the scratching to stop and not something else, right? Precisely. If all of the cats, both those with the active ingredient in their treatment and those without it, all stop scratching, That would suggest that the treatment wasn't actually causing them to stop scratching. That's called a control. This is so complicated. And this is a simple example, too. Okay, so the cats with the real flea treatment stopped scratching and the fake treatment kept scratching. Does that prove that it was fleas to start with? It would support the hypothesis. Yay! Are we getting close to the end of the process now? Well, there is a lot more to it, but we're going over the basics right now. Now let's say that none none of the cats stopped scratching, regardless of which treatment they received. We're going to assume that the treatment we used has been tried and true as a flea treatment for a long time, so we can rule out that we were using an ineffective flea treatment. Which means it probably wasn't flea. That would make sense. We would throw out our first hypothesis, having not been supported by the evidence, and develop a new one. What else might be causing the cat to scratch? Oh, you asked me this yesterday. Eczema. Could be. We would then design an experiment, just like we did with our previous hypothesis, that would test if that was the case or not. Don't worry, we're going to skip ahead here. Once the experiment has been run with the proper controls, the statistical analysis are performed. 
Are you ready to go into the statistical analysis of the empirical data? Are you saying we're about to do math over the radio? I'm joking, Agnes. If you are interested in how the math is done, we can go over that with pencil and paper off the air. Tests are run on the data that can demonstrate several things, like how strongly correlated the cause and results are to one another, and whether the difference between the control and the test group was significant or not. Once all of that has been done, the researcher writes up their results and submits it for peer review. There is an entire system in place that allows scientists to review each other's work before it gets published. You can think of it as a system of checks and balances. Would it be like when my friends and I read each other's lit papers before we turn them in? We edit each other's stuff and give feedback. It helps us to be sure that our work is good enough to be turned in. That's a good analogy. But it's a little tougher than that. Think about if you were being graded on a linear curve, and instead of your friends reading your, your work, it would be like handing it in and the professor turning it around and distributing it to your three biggest rivals in the class. So they would be extra tough on you. Exactly. It's a rigorous process to get published. The system keeps everyone accountable for their work and pre prevents fraudulent claims from ever being published. Is there more to all of this that we need to talk about tomorrow? Of course there is. We could talk about the structure of a science paper and what the different parts are. For that matter, we could talk about how to read a science paper. Being the voracious reader you are, I'm sure you will soon tire of reading Tolstoy and dive into some academic journals. I could never tire of my Leo. One does not tire of one's true love. <laughs> Take care of each other. Russian literature! <laughs>